Welcome to Through the Bible with Pastor Michael, a podcast from First Baptist Church in Mustang, Oklahoma. Here's Pastor Michael. Leviticus 25, 26, 27, we finish our read through the book of Leviticus today. And so, um, again, we're making great progress. Not only are we finishing Leviticus today, uh, but we finish month two today. This is our, our 25th out of 25 readings for the month of February which means we've now read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. And in the New Testament, we've read Mark and Acts. And so uh, as we finish month um, two, we're, we're making pretty good progress. We're starting to, to get some, um, some good amount of reading behind us. So hopefully uh, this gives you the uh, motivation to keep reading and, and, and keep working through this goal you have set this year to go through the entirety of God's Word um, in, in a year, which is a wonderful um, discipline and, and a wonderful blessing. I pray it's being that way for you already. Let's look at Leviticus 25, 26, and 27 as we finish out this Old Testament book with five observations. Number one, they were to allow the land to rest every seven years. Now understand that, that God's always doing multiple things at one time. Uh, sometimes we ask ourselves, God, what you know, what are you doing? And what are you trying to accomplish here? And and God, why are you allowing me to go through this? And and the Lord's always doing many things at one time. Uh, for every one thing you discern the Lord is doing. Uh, he's doing so much more than that as well. Um, I, I think about so many times in my life where I look back and and I see how the Lord's at work in more ways than I knew, preparing me for more things than I realized. Well, the same thing's happening here in, in the early days of the Old Testament. Um, the Lord's preparing a people, and He's building into them certain disciplines, uh, certain um, beliefs, certain practices to accomplish many things. And so we observe that that they were to allow the land to rest every seven years, um, just continuing to build into them in part um, what what it means to, to trust the Lord, uh, what it means to not rely upon your own work, uh, what it means to, to build this Sabbath rest into their life here in the early days of their nation. And then a second observation, they were to observe a year of Jubilee every 50 years. Uh, that is discussed in the middle part of chapter 25. Um, at this time, the, the land would return to its, to its original owners. Uh, the land would be given rest which leads to a third observation um, that the land was always to be viewed as owned by God. Chapter 25, verse 23, The land shall not be sold in perpetuity, for the land is mine. The Lord is leading them to the promised land, and the Lord reminds them the land ultimately is mine. He is the owner. They are the steward. Now, now that's something... Um, that they need to remember that the land is theirs, uh, that the land is the Lord's. The land is not theirs. They're not owners. They're, they're stewards. The land is the Lord's. In the same way 
in, in the New Testament, it teaches us as Christians uh, that our our lives are the Lord's. Our bodies belong to the Lord. Um, everything about us belongs to the Lord. The church belongs to the Lord. Um, in the in the Psalms, the the cattle of a thousand hills belong to the Lord. The earth is the Lord's. We, as His people, as His creation, uh, we are to be faithful stewards of all that He entrusts to us. Um, Psalm twenty four one: The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. The earth is the Lord's. All of creation, all of the universe. Uh, belongs to the Lord. And when we view ourselves as owners, we hold too tightly to things of the world and, and we get too shaken by things that are taken from us. But if we see ourselves as as stewards, not owners, then, then it reminds us that we must be faithful with all the Lord's entrusted to us. But if we're, we're stewards, not owners, then ultimately, um, it, it's not about how much we get. It's about just being faithful with what's entrusted to our care. Fourth observation, they were to help their poor neighbors and not to take advantage of them. As you read through these last couple of chapters in Leviticus, you see that described and outlined, that they were to have this spirit among them of helping each other, of, of helping their neighbor, um, which makes perfect sense because one of the things that we just looked at um, recently uh, in, in our reading in Leviticus is that they were to love their neighbor as themselves. And you see that continually being built into this young nation um, to, to love each other as you love yourself, to um, take care of your neighbor, to not take advantage of your neighbor very important lessons the Lord is pouring into his people. Um, and then a fifth observation, destruction was foretold if they were disobedient, which did come to pass, and yet God was still gracious. Uh, really a whole lot is, is in the reading today, and the more of the Old Testament you understand, the more that, that you see that, that that's in there. Uh, the Lord said, if, if you obey, then I'm going to bless you in these ways. If you disobey, uh, then, then you're going to face discipline in these ways. That, that was promised. That was foretold. And um, it came to pass. Uh, it came to pass in different waves. But, but as we read on through our Old Testament, what you're going to see, uh, this nation um, receives the land that God had promised, and then the nation... Uh, is going to divide into two eventually. Uh, in 931 BC, you're going to have Israel to the north and Judah to the south. And they're going to operate as this divided kingdom. Uh, in 722 BC, the Assyrians are going to come and they're going to uh, conquer that northern kingdom of Israel. In 605 to 586, the Babylonians, led by King Nebuchadnezzar, are going to come to that southern kingdom of Judah. And they're going to, to overthrow the temple and Jerusalem and, and the nation there and take the people into exile. And so what you see is this disobedience had been warned about. The people disobey anyway. The Lord keeps his promise. And yet, even then, as he had promised here in Leviticus, 
Uh, he is gracious. And as the people turn to the Lord, the Lord continues to show his graciousness. Um, as they sin, there is judgment and discipline brought upon them. And yet the Lord is still merciful towards his people. Uh, five applications for us today. Number one, everything we have is from the Lord. Everything we have is from the Lord. Your house is the Lord's house. Your 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 body is the temple of the Lord. Um, uh, the, the church you're a part of is, is the Lord's church. Everything you have uh, comes from the Lord. So think like a steward and not an owner. Um, number two, disobedience always comes with a cost. Disobedience always comes with a cost. Um, we need to remind ourselves that that when the Lord gives us His words, His commands, it's always for our good. And then if we disobey His word, disobey His commands, uh, there, there's a cost with that. Now, thankfully, God is gracious to His people, and and He He doesn't He doesn't give us all that we deserve in the sense that we deserve wrath and judgment and grace. He's given us. Um, salvation and forgiveness, yet our disobedience still comes with a cost, and we want to be careful to obey the Lord. Number three, there is a principle of rest and trust in the Lord that we must have. You know, one of the things that as you read through Leviticus that that I hope you're catching is as it gives us this continual um, principle of the Sabbath, uh, the importance of one day a week in the Old Testament, they were to take a day to rest. Uh, the land every seven years was to to take rest. Uh, it's building into the people this this principle of trusting in the Lord. This principle of um, having to rely regularly on the Lord uh, to provide for His people, and that's a good lesson for us to learn too. Um, it's one of the reasons why I think and trust the Lord has made us to need sleep. He didn't have to make us to need sleep every day, but here's the reality of it. Um, if you slept great last night, let's say you got nine hours of sleep and you slept great and you woke up well-rested, ready to get up, ready to start the day, energized, um, excited about what's what lies ahead today. If that were true, tonight you're going to need sleep again. And, and let's say that you had three great nights of sleep. You slept through the whole night, um, and, and you got more sleep than you usually do, and three straight nights, you've just been so well rested. Well, day four, guess what's coming that night? You're going to need sleep again. And, and what that is doing, it's just the way the Lord has made us, that every single night, we've got to lay down, and we've got to, to shut things down, and we're going to fall asleep, and this world's going to spin without us. And we can't make decisions while we're sleeping, and we can't make things happen while we're sleeping. We just have to remind ourselves that if we wake up in the morning, it's because the Lord sustains us. If we have life the next morning, it's because the Lord kept us alive, um, and the world is going to go on spinning for those hours we're sleeping without us, we can't know anything, we can't do anything, we can't affect anything. And what that, what that sleep does is it reminds us of our complete dependence upon the Lord. That's how he's made us. He didn't have to make us that way. 
He made us that way physically, I think, to teach us spiritual lessons. The psalmist said, the Lord gives even in our sleep. Uh, The Lord is sustaining us and taking care of us and providing for us and doing what he does because the Lord does not sleep nor does he slumber, yet we must. And so there's this principle of rest and trust in the Lord that we today must continually have too, uh, the Lord has always built into the lives of his people. Number four, we must remember the sovereign power of our God every day. Remember the sovereign power of our God. I'm thinking specifically of chapter 26, verse 32, um, in this warning passage where the Lord says, And I myself will devastate the land so that your enemies who settle in it shall be appalled at it. Can God do that? Of course he can. Um, The Lord can call for a wind. Um, The the Lord can, in the book of Haggai, can can bring destruction. Uh, The Lord can protect his people. The Lord can cause his, his people to win battles that they wouldn't seem to have any chance to win. He can cause them to lose battles. They shouldn't have any reason losing. Um, The Lord can bless his people. He can discipline his people. uh, And we would do well to remember the sovereign power of our God, which is why we want to think like stewards, not owners. Remind yourself daily, everything you have belongs to the Lord. Everything. And if everything you have belongs to the Lord, trust him with it. Be a faithful steward of all he's entrusted to you. Be obedient because the Lord is not only the owner of all things, he's a sovereign over all things. Take comfort in that. And then a fifth application, although we are sinners, God is gracious. Aren't you glad? Um, God is gracious. He he is uh, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, and that is our only hope. And then finally, a summary from the second half of Proverbs 17. Another one of my very favorite Proverbs comes from chapter 17, verse 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Friends are there for you, and your friends, your brothers are there, so that when you have your day of adversity, you've got somebody there to help you and strengthen you and support you. Uh, My summary of that is very concise. Friends are needed in times of trouble. So here's what I want you to think about. If there are people in your life, friends in your life, and and they go through hard times, that's when they need a friend. Um, You may need to confront them. You may need to um, pursue them um, and, and call them to repentance if they're living in sin. Um, but you don't abandon your friends. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Um, Galatians 6 talks to us about how if a brother is caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual, go to them and restore them. So part of being a friend is calling out their sin. Part of being a friend is calling them to repent. Part of being a friend is 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 caring about their soul and their spiritual state so much that we would have hard conversations. But if you've got a friend who's going through a dark time, uh, don't abandon him. Don't don't say, you know, being your friend is hard, so I'm out. A brother is born 
for, uh, for adversity. That's why you've got brothers. That's why you've got friends to help you in days of adversity. And sometimes you need the help of your friends, and sometimes you need to be a friend to the one who is hurting. Uh, being a friend doesn't mean that we don't uh, care about sin. Being a friend doesn't mean that we ignore sin. Being a friend doesn't mean that we just say, hey, you live however you want, I don't care. No, no. Sometimes we have to confront in sin. Sometimes we have to, to go after the straying one. That's Galatians 6. That's the book of James also speaks of that, to go after the one who is, is, is in sin or straying away. But one of the things that I think believers should do is model what true friendship is. And, and friends are needed when life is hard. Seek to be a friend today to those who are hurting and those who are in need. All right? Great job. You finished month one. You have finished month two. Um, if my math is correct, we're something like 16.5% uh, through the entirety of the Bible you're making great progress. Keep studying. Keep reading. Uh, stay disciplined. And uh, above all things, uh, seek to worship and honor the Lord with your life and with your study. Have a great day.